you know, Michael, Michael Jordan is naturally talented. Well, the guy also, he practices butt off, right? He's you been know, working on that basket yeah. of skills since he, he was 12 years that old. Basket right? of skills. <laughs> You're welcome, world. You're welcome. Yeah, very dad joke. For, for our Father's <laughs> Day episode, we will be featuring dad jokes. Uh, <laughs> I am your host, Jason Lafferty. I'm your host, Dylan Dentremont. We are two dudes who review books. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Can you hear good, me? Good morning and happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you too, dude. How's your day going? You know, it's going good. I can't complain too much. Right on. Thank you for yeah. giving me a little more time this morning. It gave the girls a chance to put together steak and eggs and pancakes. Oh wow! Steak and mm-hmm. eggs—that's a sounds like a good breakfast right there. Getting the royal dad treatment. They said that I was the best dad in the whole house. You know, I really like those mugs that say "best dad" and stuff because it's like, wait, does that mean all the other dads are just like crap? And and why do they make more than one of those mugs, right? Yeah. It's a little suspicious. Yeah. They, I, I think it's yeah. a racket of some sort. It's a saturation of the market is what I'm hearing. <laughs> no, I, you know, I I you know, I always wish my dad happy Father's Day, like every everyone does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I really realized the effort that went into being a dad until mm-hmm. I became a dad. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, like, oh wow, this is this is this is hard. This dadding thing, yeah, yeah. It's, it's time yeah. consuming. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, I get why the mugs exist now. I guess. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, and you know, that's not to take anything away from teachers or moms or anything like that. But yeah, just parenting, just being a good parent r- requires care and attention. And it is a labor of love, right? But it's rewarding in its own way. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Very much so rewarding mm-hmm. in its own way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, like, yeah, I was going to say, no, I'm glad we got, to, we got to do this today. I read the book a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I did not reread the book for this podcast. Okay. 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 So you're, we're, we're going to see what stuck with you. Well, I, I refreshed my notes. I went over okay. what I had. I, I watched some videos. Um, but I, 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 you know, when I, when I read books, I, I, I'm a note taker. I, mm-hmm. you know, I have, I have, you know, piles and piles of, you know, composition books. And so sure. I had to, I had to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a good filing system for it, so I find it. <laughs> filing system versus piling system. Uh, I, I've got a really good piling system. There you go. Yeah, but it was really good to go over my notes and go over Angela Duckworth's book, Crit. I also thumbed through the book, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you know this, but in the very beginning of the book, it's for Jason. Is it if really? Look, if you look at who the book's for, for Jason. At least my copy says for Jason. Verified for Jason. For, for right Jason. There. Boom. Wow. So okay. It was specifically written for me because I'm it the only Jason. Okay. Only fair Jason enough. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I yes. uh, yeah, tell me, tell me about this book for you. So Angela Duckworth's uh, Grit, uh, as you were saying, I read this, you know, this copy that I have here was printed in 2016, and I read it shortly thereafter. It dovetailed really well with the work I was already doing around growth mindset. And I was, a lot of the work around growth mindset and uh, Angela Duckworth's Grit dovetail really, really well. And so that's the the growth mindset ideas were what led me to grit in the first place. And then as you were saying, my my work at the time 
um, my mental focus in reading the book was how do I bring the, the skills of growth mindset and grit to nine and 10 and 11 year olds in the fourth grade classroom? You know, I'm sure that was a beautiful statement. My computer. I noticed froze, that um, you you kind of paused there. Our, yeah, my computer froze. Uh, we make a podcast, so you'll be able to catch all of that on the flippity flop. Except that my computer's doing the recording. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, um, probably not. Those words that you just spoke in the microphone may never be heard by anybody. You know, you know the. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. There's a song by Tenacious D, Jack yeah. Black's band. That it's called Tribute. So yeah. now I have to do a tribute to the just excellent and epic oratory that I just did around Angela Duckworth's grit. Are you saying that's what we have? To yes, one hundred percent is what you have to do. <laughs> okay, I'll sum it up. It good book. Done. <laughs> good book. Um, no, um, so the work that I was doing at the time, as you intimated four or five years ago, when I first read this book, um, was around uh, my starting point was growth mindset. And I had been exposed to that idea ages before. But then grit came out and it really got me thinking about how can I use the ideas in this book to help my fourth graders. And in education at the time, we were thinking about, okay, what are the practices that maximize learning in math? Okay, let's, uh, let's do all those things. What are the practices that maximize learning in reading? Okay, let's do all those things. What are the practices that maximize growth in social and emotional and writing and, 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 and pretty soon, the list of things that we were asking educators to do to account for each of those subject matter areas was impossible. Um, and I came to it with the idea of what practices can we simply do in all of the areas to move the needle in all of the areas? How can we have some alignment and growth mindset and the ideas in grit are those tools. They're the tools that can help students or anyone move the needle in all aspects, any aspect of their lives. And so I started using the concepts in grit right away in my fourth grade classroom to help grow skills in all areas. Uh, instead of trying to nitpick it off one at a time, it was more like overarching values were built around growth mindset and grit and that permeated every aspect of the classroom that's where i came to grit from and are you still using those same kind of skill set mindset today and skill we got to be very careful with skill set uh because she goes into skills into it but are you using that uh that same mindset today yes oh absolutely uh, the, the same kind of mindset tools, the growth mindset tools, I actually do a straight up mindset and brain chemistry, neural development uh, unit in the first month of school so that they learn that things should be hard. If things are easy, we're not growing, we're not learning. We might be having fun and that's, <laughs> there, there's a value there, but the purpose, if the purpose of school is learning, then school fundamentally, it's not that it can't be fun, but it should not be easy all the time. If it is easy, we are not growing, we are not learning. <laughs> and that's a fundamental uh, shift. The, the, uh, the, the conventional thinking is that children need to be successful 75 to 80% of the time to maintain their motivational level. And that's fair to say, but that also comes with one really big caveat that is predicated on mindset. So you can have a kid who, if he's not successful 100% of the time, he will quit, he will cry, he will walk away. I've taught those kind of kids. That's a mindset problem. That's not a content problem. That's not an intelligence problem. You can have tremendously intelligent kids and adults that when they run into the first sign of trouble, 
they immediately, it sucks all the wind out of their sails and they become useless, frankly, useless. It's a terrible word, but um, whereas you can have kids who I remember very specifically, I had a young woman in my class and we do an activity where they'll do a word, like a word math problem, and they'll come to my desk. The whole class is working on these word problems, usually with a partner, and they come to my desk one problem at a time to see how they're doing if they got it right. And I stamped it. I give a green stamp for yes and an orange stamp for no. And then I give it back to them for them to work out what went wrong. And I stamped it and I was like, you know, sorry, it's not right. And she looked at me. She had the most excited look in her eyes and she says, great. And I'm like, <laughs> are you okay? What's wrong? She says, no, this is an opportunity for me to find my mistakes and to fix them and get stronger. That kid is a kid that's okay with only being right 25% of the time. So how all this relates back, right? If you're running an academic program or really any program that's trying to make kids feel good all the time, trying to register in that 90 to 100% success rate, I would argue that you're also minimizing your growth. Whereas if you're digging a little harder and kids are, or really anybody is honestly struggling and having to work hard, having to sweat, making mistakes, getting stuff wrong closer to 50% of the time, if their mindset is right and they can push through that, that's where you're going to get maximum growth. I, you know, I a hundred percent agree with it. And for me, it's, it's teaching, it's teaching the being this mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have a, a three-year-olds, an eight-year-old, a seven-year-olds, a 10-year-olds, those numbers don't go in order, but they, you know, <laughs> they're the numbers I chose. Uh, sure. You know, it, I feel like it's easier to communicate and talk through, mm -hmm. you know, but when you have a three-year-old and they get frustrated, mm -hmm. like, it's like, oh yeah, I can't, you know, I can't climb this slide. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's figure yeah. out how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, instead of just showing them, right. Let's figure it out. I feel like that is the, and that's the thing I try to do with the bean is like, okay, let's, let's try to figure it out together how to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I know how to do it. I, I look right. at it and go, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just put your foot here and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's it's harder when you're you're communicating with somebody that can't that can't conceptualize it, and that actually goes for adults too. If you sure, have an adult absolutely. that can't, and I think it would probably go through for a, an eight, seven, and ten year old yeah. uh, that if you can't conceptualize it, if you can't get your mindset right there mm -hmm. with it, that you're just gonna have this problem, and you're gonna be like, I can't I can't see how this, and I'll sit in meetings and I'll be like okay, I get what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I can't conceptualize how to do it right now. Right. Doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm not down for it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to push it. It's just my, my mindset isn't there. And it's the acknowledgement of that mindset. I find important. We also have to, you know, we have to recognize also and properly evaluate what is the price of failure, right? We, when you talk about failure in, in my educational context, you know, if somebody does a math problem wrong, right, a failure, if you will, and I give them feedback or whatever the case may be, or even just tell them that it's incorrect, the price of that failure is pretty minimal. If anything, the, the price is a little bit of time, but the payoff is a lot of growth. Uh, when teaching rock climbing, for example, <laughs> the price of failure may be a little bit higher, right? So we have to be, um, we have to properly evaluate the risks of failure in a given situation. We either have to hedge for them or mitigate those, those risks. Um, uh, how this all comes back to grit is the idea that in order to maximize growth, we have to also maximize effort. Right. And so, and she even has a phrase in here and she does a little, a little scribble in there and once in, in there as well, that effort counts twice. 
Uh, I wrote I, this. I actually wrote it down twice. Did you? You wrote I, that I one did. down? I, you know, I know it's going through my notes and I saw it and I'm like, effort counts twice. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I got to find it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I found it and I wrote it down twice because it, it is so, it is so important that we are, you know, we're, we're putting that effort there. Um, and I really liked, there's a, a part in the book where it talks about, natural talent mm-hmm. and and music and they go and they tell people oh this person is naturally talented listen to his music right mm-hmm. and then they go and same person same music they go this person really struggled to get to where they are listen to their music mm-hmm. and then naturally talented music was accepted more as better even though it yeah. was the same music yeah and it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of times that I will go and I'll be like, oh yeah, I really, I really like what they're doing. Whether I know or not is true. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it as a natural talent. And I, the, in the book, they talk about it being, uh, it's our justification to uh, separate, separate ourselves from it. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Michael, Michael Jordan is naturally talented. Well, the guy also he practices butt off, right? He's you been know, working on that basket yeah. of skills since he, he was 12 years ba- old. Basket right? of skills. Ah. <laughs> You're welcome, world. You're welcome. Yeah, very dad joke. For for our Father's Day episode, we will be featuring dad jokes. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, only on the Father's Day episode. That, yeah. yeah there's a big lie. Um, yeah. but yeah, absolutely. And and also the 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 idea that as human beings, we don't, we don't see the becoming. And and by becoming, I'm talking about the fact that someone like a Russell Wilson or a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant, whatever, that is the becoming is years and years and years, thousands of hours being dedicated i was watching a a motivational video thing it was kobe bryant doing a a motivational talk and he said that he made up his mind at 13 years old to be the best basketball player just straight up so he has been working on that goal since he was a teenager there are very few of us that have been working on a goal that single-mindedly right only that goal since we were 13 years old Right. And so to achieve that level of expertise, of excellence, requires a lot of dedication. It requires a lot of grit um, and persistence. And in fact, that's one of the ways that Angela categorizes grit passion and perseverance, direction and determination, overcome setbacks to conquer an important talent and, or excuse me, an important challenge. And that is not the same as talent. Talent is kind of your your starting point or your uh, inborn innate capacity to do a task. That is not the same as your outcome. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of an origin story. Mm-hmm. So you, you yeah. listed off a whole bunch of, of sports people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I like, you know, you look at a leader or CEO, something like that. What are the skills they acquired? What is the, the, you know, the trenches that they went through? What did they mm-hmm. do to get to where they are? Uh, you know, uh, a lot of it can be replicated to some degree. Um, but if you look at, you know, you look at, you look at a CEO who started company X, you know, there's a, there's a, a fair amount of grit that went into place Yeah, for them to, get to where they are and there's a fair amount of struggles there's a fair amount of setbacks um i feel like i always explain it as as a stock market so you look at the stock market over Mm -hmm. time you look at Mm -hmm. the s p 500 and you it's not always just going up especially these days it's not Mm -hmm. it's not always just going up there's there's a setback Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. it, it climbs there's a setback and it climbs and yeah you know, that's really what grit is. There's a, there's a setback and it's like overcoming the setback, a callback to obstacle is the way. Yeah, absolutely. 
mm-hmm. right? We, we look at those obstacles and we go, how do we, how do we persevere? How do we get through them? Um, and there's a, there's a, they talk about deliberate practice. Yes. And it's I, something I've uh, been really, I've been really, uh, I've been really looking at lately and also setting intentions is kind of, she doesn't call it setting intentions, but that's no. how I've been looking at it. Um, but that deliberate practice, and there's, there's four things that they call out for the requirements of deliberate practice. Um, and it's a clear defined stretch goal, full concentration and effort, mm-hmm. immediate and informative feedback, repetition um, with reflection and refinement and yes. the 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 immediate and informative feedback and the the repetition for ref, repetition with reflection and refinement I, I i think those are so those are so important um and i think about my my cooking career and i would cook i'd cook for my my parents oh this is the best meal i've ever eaten i'm like shut up <laughs> it's, it's it's not no, I'm not looking for you to blow smoke, right? Sure. Yeah, you know, I, if I'm asking you for feedback, how's it? Was it need? Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Let me know. Let me, yeah. you know, you're not giving me any benefit by telling me that it's the best meal you've ever eaten, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I need to know that you know I, it could use a little more salt. It could use a little bit more of this. It's kind of on the cold side. Sure, let's yeah. talk about that. But finding that immediate the immediate part not you know 10 years later like oh i've been i've created this horrible habit mm-hmm. and now now i need to t- change it but if you get all those together and you you get your clarity and you put full concentration towards it and you create this deliberate practice or intention setting as i'm, mm-hmm. I'm calling it that is going to help you with those with what you're trying to to accomplish with your your grit Mm -hmm. and you know i appreciate i actually that idea there is no substitute for deliberate practice like i wrote it in my notebook in all caps uh, (laughs) right like in giant letters and because there is no substitute for deliberate practice and when i most recently reread this book Um, Right now, today, it's a few days after our last day of the school year. Um, But in the entire last half of the school year, I changed some of my uh, teaching of math practices. And I switched, I was still teaching out of the curriculum as I'm required to do. I, I didn't break any rules, but I added an activity where three days a week, the kids um, were in the morning for about 15 minutes practicing the skills that they had learned in previous units. So unit one is addition and subtraction of large numbers. Unit two is multiplication of large numbers. Um, unit three is division. Um, and at the midpoint of the year, we had made it through all of those units. And I went ahead and every, every other morning, basically, I was giving them these math review sheets. And even kids that had performed well during the course of the unit did not do very well initially on those review sheets. And I was kind of, it was frustrating uh, to think, you know, I worked really hard delivering these units. I've got a lot of feedback as an instructor that I am good at what I do. Um, (laughs) But the, the bottom line was that I had kids who, you know, 30 days after I had delivered the content still didn't know how to do subtraction, even though they had demonstrated this skill during the unit. Um, And what was missing was exactly that element of deliberate practice. If we want kids or anybody to master, like legit master a skill, deliberate practice is key. And when I introduced that math practice of having them do it every other day, we started to see yeah, it started out rough, but what they would do is they would bring me their 10 problems. I would mark the ones they got wrong and I would hand it back to them. It didn't matter if they got one wrong or nine wrong, I would hand it back to them and they had to work on it until they got it right. And you started seeing the kids who would get nine wrong on their first try and then four wrong 
and then two wrong. And then soon, probably, you know, uh, after about, I'll say 40 days-ish of this intervention, consistently, even the bottom quartile of my class was getting eight or nine problems correct. And it That's had impressive. nothing to do with where they started. And it wasn't correlated uh, very well to their math grade during the unit. Even kids that scored really well or had um, even kids who were classified as advanced during the course of the unit, um, if they rushed, they would still miss problems. They were still developing mastery as well. So that deliberate practice aspect, I, huge, huge. Yeah, Olympians. Mm -hmm. have deliberate practice mm -hmm. they you know they go and they're you know olympics are four years away well not yeah. right now but <laughs> not right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're four years away it's not like they're like oh okay yeah we we got three months let's let's start you know doing some stuff yeah no, they're deliberately practicing every day they're yes. getting evaluated they're they have a they have a coach a coach they have a coach that is that is there giving them honest candid feedback mm -hmm. they have they have mentors they they're looking at tapes and they're reviewing it it's it's deliberate practice yeah and, and and you know we can all we can all do that i'm not saying we can all swim like phelps but you know we can we can get better than where we are and if we're not comparing ourselves to phelps uh mm -hmm. you know we can, we can definitely, you know, be a, be a darn good swimmer. Yeah. Comparing yourself to yourself, uh, I think is actually a really important uh, grid establishing skill, being able to, um, frankly, that has a lot to do with focus, right? Other people's performance, honestly, is a distraction. Um, I used to do like, uh, uh, first person gaming a lot like call of duty destiny that kind of stuff i don't play i don't game very much anymore but i remember i was watching a very accomplished gamer and somebody had asked him how does he get that way he says like the videos i post and the content i stream during like tournaments and stuff that's that's me like playing at my ultimate level he says what you don't see are all the matches where i'm just working on one skill and he says my my kill to death ratio during those matches where i'm just working that one skill is terrible but all of those matches where i have these terrible kd ratios where i'm just drilling one skill where i'm just drilling cover usage where i'm just drilling use of one weapon type where i'm just drilling this one map to get this one map memorized that's and that comes back to the becoming right those matches are not glorious those matches are messy as he's really uh, using deliberate practice and he would record himself and then he would watch himself. He would take himself out of the context of the game and just he would have to be his own coach in those situations and be like, oh, I see what happened there. I did this wrong. Oh, this play actually went OK. I, I should replicate that. So deliberate practice can be used really for any skill set. You just have to acknowledge, you have to put your ego aside a little bit and kind of being okay with receiving feedback, preferably from a coach, but if not your coach, then record yourself, find some way of monitoring your own performance and get some metrics going for how you're going to improve that. If you can't do it with a coach, then you'll find a, you'll need to find a way to do it yourself. But there is no substitute for deliberate practice for any skill mastery. Important, important skills. Can you still hear me out there? Yeah, I can still hear you out there. Yeah. Um, I don't know either. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I paused because my computer did something. Um, darn internet. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. She also, she, Angela Duckworth in Grit also talks about some of the better ways of... Um, helping your kids establish grit do you yeah, that's, that starts that starts the end and you know when i read it mm -hmm. i'm like you know when i read the book i didn't have a bean yeah it was it was not a thing so this was mm -hmm. pre having a child yeah and so when i read that section 
I did not put a lot of deliberate practice and effort into, <laughs> into that section. Cause it's just like, it was, it wasn't important to me at the time. Sure. Yeah. And so I started rereading some of that. Um, I took some notes, not great notes. It is something I want to get back to, but what do you remember from that? Um, I remember it very specifically because after I read that, um, we started to really explore extracurricular activities for our daughters. Um, what, and I have two children for those of you playing the home game out there, uh, <laughs> um, uh, a fourth grader and a seventh grader. But at any rate, the, the, one of the main big pieces of advice was for children to have extracurricular activities. Um, and what she found, and this is again, research-based, what she found was that it actually didn't really matter um, what the activity was. It could be tennis, it could be soccer, it could be volleyball, it could be violin, it could be piano. The trick was incremental, incrementally improving and working on that skill over time, specifically more than a year, specifically more than a year. So at that, I think at the time that I had read that the first time, um, my oldest daughter had already been doing violin for over a year. Um, we shortly thereafter, and it was a very easy sell because my wife and eldest daughter were already playing violin. I started to provide some gentle hints to my youngest that maybe she should be interested and she immediately took it on. Shortly thereafter, both girls uh, did gymnastics again for about a, about a year. Um, and then the pandemic hit and messed everything up. But um, <laughs> the, uh, music, and the violin specifically was something that they were both able to continue for a year. So the lessons from for more than a year, they are they're still doing that to this day. Both both of my daughters have more than four years experience playing violin. Um, the important part about this is is that it doesn't have to be violin. It can be baseball. <laughs> it, it really any. We, we are not sponsored by violin. We are not sponsored by violin. Suzuki has nothing to do with us, but. Um, <laughs> The, the point being, get your kids involved in stuff where they can be persistent and grow skills over time. It also exposes them typically to a coach or mentor who will be providing that feedback and helping them grow. And what's important is that they are seeing themselves grow and develop over time. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's one of those things that's so hard to do with pandemic because the mm -hmm. the bean and i started swim lessons mm -hmm. when she was very young we're yep. talking this is when you go the age where it's still in the weeks yes right? yes right uh and now you know we're looking at trying to get back into it but it's you know this the pandemic threw some loops but yeah that persistent that persistent growth mm -hmm. and what there was a quote um was it uh, enthusiasm is common. Endurance is rare. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a yeah, good one. There's a lot. There's a lot of good quotes to pull from this book. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And it, I, I feel like it's hard to, to distill them down on what you write. But that that one really spoke to me because, you know, I'm I'm an enthusiastic, outgoing, visionary, you know, uh, person. And, mm -hmm. you know, and that endurance part of it, it's like, oh yeah, how do you, how do you keep that needle moving forward when mm -hmm. you don't want to do it? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that, 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 that practice and the violin and going out there and, you know, finding something that you, you, you like, um, and you want to do. And if I heard it all three, there's three people in the house that are doing violin yeah. So it means if you took a violin, there would be a quartet. We sure would literally have a quartet. I would sure probably get stuck playing the cello or something, but. <laughs> <laughs> cello, oboe, you know, clarinet. I'll just stick with the bucket. I'll just beat on a bucket and keep time for people. That's fine. No, I yeah. actually did do music for, for many, many years, right? So for me, my personal growth and journey, um, I started music in, I think, fifth grade. 
and persisted with that all the way through high school. And I think that was really important for my growth and development. Um, you know, I did baseball for more than a year. I did um, soccer. Oh, martial arts. Martial arts. Martial wrestling. arts. When you started martial arts or even wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you you came from a construction background. So you probably had some, some getting beat up a little bit there. But yeah. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, because I feel like this applies to everybody, mm-hmm. when you started martial arts or wrestling, you got your butt handed to you a little bit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, even now, um, I, I kind of, uh, I'm an off and on again, uh, jujitsu guy when my schedule permits it, I get, <laughs> down to, I get down there. Um, my daughters also do jujitsu on occasion. It's kind of a summertime activity for us. Um, but it is, uh, refreshing and humbling to, to roll with somebody who's like a brown belt or a black belt uh, jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, because it doesn't matter. You can be the biggest, strongest guy in there, and I am not, um, but you can be the biggest, strongest guy in there, and they will, they will take you apart. It does not matter. And I saw it also, it was kind of fun for me too, to be a, a, jiu-jitsu, a jiu-jitsu practitioner of a little bit of skill, and then to roll with guys that were much bigger than me, but had significantly less jujitsu skill, right? It takes the intimidation factor right out of it. You know, I I had the opportunity to roll with a gentleman who had been doing, he was ex-military, he'd been doing CrossFit um, post his military career. He was probably 6'1", significantly bigger and stronger than me. (laughs) But when, once we got tied up, it, it was, I would, I don't even want to say it was even, he, he hadn't developed his skills as a judoka. And so that, and that's not a knock on that individual in any way, but it's just evidence that when, when kids and even adults put some effort into something and start to see that growth over time, and then you're in an environment where you're on par with some people. And you're significantly behind other people, and that's helping you grow. And you're significantly ahead of other people, and that's helping them grow as well. And it it's difficult to get into that environment when you're just at home sitting in front of your computer doing whatever. Yeah, and it's that consistent effort over time. Definitely. In the long run. And her quote is consistent, consistency of effort over time. Mm-hmm. sorry consistency of effort over the long run is everything yes yeah yes and, and that's again why that that harkens back to the effort counts twice twice right it, yeah. it gets gonna, you on the gonna... front end for how hard for the dedication and effort you're putting into your practice and then as you're pour, pouring that effort into your practice on the front end you're getting it back again in terms of growth and gains, which is putting you in an even stronger starting position to put in better effort next time. It counts twice. Yeah. We've, we've talked a lot. What haven't we talked about in this book? Um, I, I'm looking over my notes. <laughs> I'm looking over my own personal notes. Um, we didn't talk much about goal setting. I think you talked about it a little bit, but, but goal setting is, is also important. The idea that, um, we have these stepping stones to get us across the river, right? Having an end in mind, not necessarily an end point, but something that we're driving towards, I, I want to be careful here, too, because kind of the mindless chasing of goals is, is not necessarily healthy either. But if you have a, a big goal in mind. Like a mission, maybe? Yeah, slowing down and taking the time to set kind of low-level and mid-level goals to work your way up to that big goal is actually really critical and important. Otherwise, it's, it's kind of like if your goal is to get to the mountaintop, but you can't walk yet, 
right? <laughs> the, let's start with crawl, then walk, then run, then carry a backpack, right? And work our way up to those bigger level goals. She also talks a little bit about goal alignment. So having goals from different parts of your life to kind of converge so that you're almost working two parts of your life at one time. So yeah. right now, um, I have uh, I have four things that I work on as a human being. Um, husband, because if I'm not a good husband, that's our family foundation. Things fall apart, right? So that's my, <laughs> over, that's, that's my priority is to be a good husband uh, for my wife. Um, I'm an educator, I'm an athlete, and I'm a dad. If I can combine athlete and dad, right? And take my kids out for a bike ride. That's, that's winning right it's there. A that's awesome. It's alignment of two goals. Exactly. I, if yeah. I can be an educator and I can be teaching my kids, right. And pulling together that educator and dad, those educator and dad goals. Um, that, that's really strong. And she talks a little bit about goal alignment in the book as well. And I really like how you have husband and dad separated. Because they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're two different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they will converge. Yes. And, but they're, they're very much so separate. And yeah, no, I, I think it's, I, I, I like how you laid that out. Yeah. If I, I think for those of us for, I, and it's not just husband, really any kind of spouse, taking the time to maintain the relationship I know it's easy, especially if you have, you know, little children in particular. Um, it's kind of easy to let that be your whole life when you get home. And if your life is taking care of the baby and YouTube and, and you're neglecting uh, taking care of your spouse and maintaining that relationship, that's that's not healthy. That's not going to lead you where you want to be. So it's actually been really helpful for me to be like, okay, what are the four things that I want to be known for, to be good at? Um, and and the, that's what they are. Husband, educator, and, athlete, and dad. And then put intentional effort towards them. Absolutely. And, make them, and, and, and make be persistent. When, well, and also once you narrow, like even at that, like if you're a younger person, maybe you don't have a family that is important to you right now. And, and you want to narrow that down, <laughs> like, like Kobe Bryant did right to, to being an athlete, being the best basketball player of ever. Um, then that's even more powerful, right? It's, it's sharpening your weapon down to one, like one driving goal. Right. And we see educators do this too. young educators who um, don't have a family. Uh, they can put a lot of effort into just being the best educator that they can be in. And they can have a lot of goal orientation around that. Um, yeah. But those are my four. And for everybody, they're going to be a little bit different. I'm trying to think of my four and I don't think I could do it off the top of my head. But husband if, and dad or husband and dad are there. If I'm being honest, I, I sat down and physically wrote out this activity took me over an hour to do. Right. And, and this was spread out across several days. I actually had to think about it. Like <laughs> what, what is it that I want to do and be? And I, I wrote down, I don't know, I had a whole page worth of stuff. And then I was like, okay, I've got to narrow this down a little bit. And I started crossing stuff off. And, and I'm not saying that I don't do anything that doesn't help me be a better dad or an educator. We all have a little bit of downtime. But I really look at the almost every activity I do as how is this helping me be one of those four things? And if it's not, then I need to really think about how can I either change it so it is, or is this an important activity to me? Yeah. And I have to think about that. Even I this activity here, doing the podcast, th this helps me to be a better educator, right? So this has some goal alignment with me being a good educator, and I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that I think there's another question there, and I, I don't know if I can form it right off the top of my head, but you know, so you lined out where does this align with my goals? Do I need to be doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, 
there's probably something around you know should it mm-hmm. where where why is this important in my life right now and, and that's where the thinking is yeah yeah because you know maybe it doesn't align with the four but if you if you have it very binary like that where it either aligns with the four i should not do it you know there there might be a level of importance there you're like well you know maybe it's maybe family should have been in there somewhere and i don't really call that out and maybe this is a family thing or or whatnot i did i did just align myself as family by the way so there you go no yeah yeah and and even i was thinking just now like okay if if uh god forbid a member of my family should should get really sick right my parents live over in eastern washington if one of my family members my mom or dad got really sick that's not calling on me explicitly as any of those things uh, husband educator <laughs> yeah. athlete or dad yeah but i'm gonna do it because caring for family is a value of mine right so i think yeah. that's okay to be both goal-driven and values driven yeah yeah absolutely well i would ask you right now would you read this book again would i read and- the book that i've already read three times <laughs> again <laughs> yeah and i I think I need to, you know, I, I, I read it once. I skimmed my notes. I think I do need to read it again. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think at least the parenting section, I need to, to, to read again. I, there's a lot of thoughts in here on how do I, how do I uh, pass this along to the bean? Yeah. And I, I think looking, reading this book again with the, um, the idea of setting intentions mm-hmm. and really going after, hey, this is what I want to go after. This is why it's important to me, which uh, is a book that we have coming up. Start with why. Yes, it the, is. It's the yeah. next book. And I'm excited to talk about that book as well. For sure. But yeah, um, I, I probably will end up reading this again. Uh, I got to find out where it, it, it falls into my book alignment. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, there, there is more in the parenting section of grit than just enroll your kids in extracurricular activities. (laughs) There's a lot more. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of good stuff in this book overall. Um, She talks a lot about um, the military uh, and how a lot of the research that's been done about grit comes from military, uh, military sources. So Highly recommended to kind of see how that process works and what they discovered about um, people that have to do some of the hardest jobs in the world that are both physically and emotionally demanding. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will definitely be reading it again. <laughs> and um, I return to this book, you know, about every year and a half when I feel like I need a little bit of a brush up and it gives me ideas for things that I can be doing in my classroom. Um, even in this most recent reread, um, she reminded me, Grit reminded me that games are another really good way to get kids in particular to practice skills that are valuable and important. Um, and it's, it's a kind of a cheat to sort of help kids find a little bit more success like we were talking about earlier on in the podcast. Um, so I, that reminder uh, led me to picking up a bunch of extra math games for my kids. And we now do math game practice uh, probably two or three days a week where it's just 30 minutes where they play math games that are helping them rep the skills of mathematics. So very valuable stuff in the whole book. You know, as we, as we wrap this up, you know what we haven't talked about? And I don't know, like, I don't know why it, you're, when you said military, this is where it goes. What we haven't talked about is uh, we didn't talk about your time in in buds and we did not. Yeah, and the endurance that you went through there. So maybe that's for a, a different podcast at a different time. But uh, I'm down and, anytime you want to ask me about it. <laughs> <laughs> it it was hard work and definitely um, I wish I'd read Grit before I went. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Grit wasn't out when you were in buds. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Missed the boat. <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah. Where was Angela on that one? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you let it. me down. You let me down, lady. That's yeah. all right. Yeah. Well, well, Dylan, happy Father's Day. 
Happy you know, Father's Day this, to you as well. This is this is a great conversation. Um, it was a great refresh on the book. Definitely. And, you know, uh, go out. People need to go out there, and they need to set intentions, and they need to get really clear on their goals. Deliberate and, practice. Deliberate practice. Critical. Get after yeah. it. And that's going to help you with your endurance. And really, if you're if you're wavering on your endurance, and you're like, man, I I, I don't want to do this. I want to give up. Go back to why you're doing it. What's what's important? To, why did you start this? You know, what practices you put in place to help with this? What habits are you trying to create? All that. Go yeah. back to your why, and that's going to inform you about what passion is driving these activities. And acknowledging that passion, remembering that passion is going to help give you the perseverance to make that incremental improvement. Yep. Good yeah. stuff. Well, yeah. And and happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Yes. Thank you for doing what you do, dads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say? No, is sir. Other words? I think we okay. hit it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Have a good one, everybody. Take care, team. Our podcast was originally recorded on Zoom. Special thanks to Skillsoul on Pixabay for providing our intro and outro music. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please hit the like and subscribe button on your podcast provider. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes Review Books. Let us know what you think we should review. Keep reading, keep learning, keep growing, keep pursuing what's important to you, and keep listening to our podcast. Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> 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 <laughs>